0: From the HPP Studios, you're listening to the 71st episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and today we're joined by special guest Dylan Short. But first, on today's podcast, we learn to fight with the Cambridge Dodgers and talk with special guest Dylan Short from 680 The Fan and the 643 Podcast. But as always, we start the podcast out with a drink. And today, my drink is Grove City Hefeweizen which is an unfiltered wheat ale from RAR, R-A-R, brewing in Cambridge, Maryland. You know I always support good local American brewery jobs, and I'm enjoying this delicious Hefeweizen. I'm going to have a drink. And I'm going to talk to you about a blast from the past. In the minor leagues, there used to be something called the Class D, which obviously no longer exists. And there was an Eastern Shore League in Maryland from 1922 to 1949. And they all played in Cambridge, Maryland, where this brewery is from. Obviously, it doesn't exist anymore. Three of the teams that were in that league were the Cambridge Canners. I was like, what in the world are Canners? Apparently, it's what people used to use before the invention of the icebox, invention of the refrigerator. So it would just help you preserve food for up to a year. Another team in that Eastern Shore League were, was the Cambridge Cardinals and ultimately the Cambridge Dodgers. And I'm going to talk about the Cambridge Dodgers because that was Don Zimmer's first pro team. Don Zimmer was a player and then he managed the San Diego Padres in the early 70s. He managed the Boston Red Sox in the mid 70s. And he also managed the Texas Rangers and the Chicago White Sox in the 80s. But Don is most famous for being the bench coach of the New York Yankees for almost 20 years from 1996 until 2003. And so, if you know baseball history, then Don Zimmer collected a boatload of World Series rings. Unfortunately, a few of them at the expense of the Atlanta Braves, but that's neither here nor there. In the 1999 playoffs versus the Texas Rangers, Zimmer was hit in the head by a foul ball from the Yankee shortstop or Yankee short, uh, Yankee second baseman, Chuck Chuck Knobloch. In the next game, Zimmer wore a hat with the words Zim on one of the sides. And, and that foul ball incident to the head actually led to the installation of rail fencing in front of the dugouts at Yankee Stadiums. And later that became the standard safety barrier at all the ballparks. And then moving forward to the 2003 American League Championship Series, Game 3, Zimmer was involved in a brawl with right-handed, right-handed pitcher Pedro Martinez, who's now a hall of famer for the Boston Red Sox in the game. Martinez lost control of a pitch and it ended up hitting the Yankees outfielder Kareem Garcia. So as you can imagine, people get upset. What's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. The very next time that the Red Sox are up to bat, the Yankees pitcher Roger Clemens in all of his roid rage, greatness retaliated by throwing at the Boston's Manny Ramirez you already know what happens. Bench is clear. People are shoving their finger in people's chest. People are yelling obscenities. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. A bunch of nonsense. It's all just a bunch of posing. But Don Zimmer, he ran at Pedro Martinez. Martinez is like, what in the world? He Martinez grabs him, pushes his face down, and throws Zimmer to the ground. Afterwards, <laughs> Zimmer, he accepted the responsibility for that incident, he apologized to his family. He apologized to the New York Yankees, but he all, but he said that Martinez was quote one of the most unprofessional players end quote he had ever known. Knuckle up, old man. Knuckle up, young buck. Let's go. Can you imagine a seventy two year old grandfather running at you with bad intentions, acting like he's prime nineteen eighty seven? Mike Tyson. (laughs) Speaking of Mike Tyson, did you hear about some clown was pissing off Tyson on a jet jet blue flight from San Francisco last week? Tyson hit him with a flurry of punches to the face. And my question is, do you see the afterlife when Tyson lays his knuckles on your cranium? Are you kidding me? Why would you ever piss off Mike Tyson? I don't care if he's in his mid- 50s you do not piss off mike tyson that guy's a monster oh my god like ugh, that guy's an idiot not mike tyson whoever was pissing off mike tyson fear not my friend you know where's no violence you know where don zimmer's not trying to knuckle up pedro martinez where you're not getting punched in the face for pissing off mike tyson on our social media accounts our twitter handle is at hpp 4040 and the instagram account is hipster baseball podcast give us a follow If you're looking for boxing protective gear, our sponsor has you covered. Herman's World of Sports. We are sports. Our summer sale is kicking off. Save 20 to 40% on camping equipment, exercise equipment, baseball gloves, water wings for the kids, boxing gloves, you name it, Herman Sports has it. You need it, we got it. Now for a limited time, we'll match any competitor's price. Urban's world of sports. We are sports. Our next guest is someone I always associate with baseball and the Atlanta Braves podcast. Today we have our special guest, Dylan Short. I first came across him when he was one of the co one of the hosts of the Platinum Sombrero, also with Doc Herbert. That was one of my favorite podcasts, specifically devoted to the Atlanta Braves, and they had hilarious ads, by the way. Dylan Short welcome
1: thank you i'm glad to be here i'm uh those ads i wish i could take credit for those those um doc and i in the early days we really didn't know much of what we were going to do uh but we knew we were going to obviously do braves and he and i were both kind of on that line of we were really into the analytical side of things but we also didn't want to be boring like a lot of the other analytical shows were doc and i both kind of goofy uh and we we just kind of put together uh Doc sent me this one thing. I, I think the first one he ever sent me was Edgar Allan Potpourri. Um, I remember that one. <laughs> that was one of the all-time favorites. Uh, and then, then the next one or the second one was—hang uh, on, as my dogs are going crazy—was um, Heavy Metal Crayons, which was my all-time favorite to this day. It's still my absolute favorite ad that we ever did. Uh, and from there, it just kind of became its own thing. People liked it so much that so we just kind of kept it going. I really wish I could still do those now. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I would be allowed to do those right now. Um, but I, I think that I think that there should be more fake ads in space. I think I think they're absolutely brilliant.
0: Absolutely. And for, for the listeners, the Platinum Sombrero, you guys stopped recording back right after the World Series. I think it was in November, your you're 173rd and last episode. And when you guys, basically your walk into the sunset, you guys played all of those hilarious ads. So that was a nice little blast from the past. If anyone wants to check that uh, check that out as well, because obviously it's, they're still all of your episodes are still available in uh, in the internet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all you gotta do is go to uh Sports drink. They were our our old um podcast network domain. Um love all the guys over there. Andrew was really cool. Um the guys at Chatting Average we got over there really cool. The guys at NL Feast are really cool. Uh so yeah, it, it kind of worked out perfectly. Uh it was it was very bittersweet. I felt that it's hard to it's hard to go on a four year run and the team gets consistently better every year. So you kind of keep going out. We uh we were a little, little peek behind the curtain. We were already kind of going to, to end. Like, that was already going to be it. Uh, and I kind of convinced and maybe kind of twisted Doc's arm a little bit about um, not leaving <laughs> until after the season was over. Uh, and then, obviously, you went, you go on a World Series. I had some things happen where uh, the radio station that I didn't turn down for a while had uh, had asked me if I'd do a podcast for them uh, after my time with Locked On had come up. Uh, and then it kind of, it kind of worked out both ways. Doc and I schedules changed. Obviously I had a, I had my son, um, which for those of you that don't have children yet, uh, do what you like to do now, because once you have children, uh, you're on their time. Um, luckily my wife is, is amazing and doesn't mind, or at least will will tolerate me doing all of this. Um. And Doc got a new job and it all kind of switched around. So it was a very bittersweet feeling. Um, I, I didn't feel like we were dropping in quality at all, but I also, I, we took a lot of inspiration from the ABT guys, uh, Atlanta baseball talk. They were, they're Brilliant. probably the longest running Braves podcast ever. Um, I love them. 15 years they were on. Yep. And they left the year before the world yeah. series. And um, Doc and I, We really wanted to go out on top. We wanted to say that that we had covered the whole litany of it, and we felt it was the right time. Um, I still go back and listen to them because they're. they're, I did Locked On Braves for three years, uh, and and no offense to Locked On, they were fine company. Um, You know, I I liked a lot of the hosts on there, Um, but that one that one was more of of a job, I'll say. Recording with Doc was was never really a job. It was just we're we're genuinely friends anyway. So we would just sit there and talk anyway. Like we text each other during every game and we just sit there and talk baseball. Uh so that one was more of just two guys back and forth talking. That was that was my pride and joy. That was always my favorite from the ground up. Um I actually had a show before the Platinum Sombrero called um called Shell Shocked with a buddy of mine that I went to broadcasting school with, his name was Jaquan Jenkins, another one of my absolute favorite people in the world. Uh, we made the mistake of putting it on SoundCloud though, and no one goes to SoundCloud. So that was a much more loose. Like if you go back and you, you listen to the first TPS episodes and then go and listen to the last ones, the difference is night and day. And, um, it, it was a, it was a genuinely fun ride all the way through. And I do, I do miss doing the platinum sombrero a lot, actually.
0: I, like I said, I lo- I lo- I love you guys on that podcast. I could talk to you about that for, for ages. Uh, I do also want to tell everyone that the platinum sombrero is one of my inspirations to be starting this podcast and Dylan, you're an Atlanta Braves guy. I'm an Atlanta Braves guy. Talking about today in 2022, What does a successful 2022 Atlanta Braves regular season look like to you?
1: You know, it's – if we hadn't just come off of the World Series, the World Series softened me a little bit. Uh, Now, genuinely, I think this team, once Acuna comes back and you start getting everybody back into place, uh, I I don't know what I would say projection-wise now based off of already starting. But with the whole roster healthy, this is a team that's 95-plus win capabilities. Obviously, I don't I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to get to 100 wins. That's a pretty high threshold, especially when you missed Acuna for a month. But, you know, I, I still expect them to be up over 90 wins. I expect them to win the division fairly easily. Uh, I think they're too talented of a roster. I haven't seen it really yet, uh, but I, I think they're too talented a roster to not be 90 plus wins. I know what happened last year in the struggles last year, I think, was more of a fluke. I do. I do expect I do expect 90 to, to 94 wins this season. I expect. Them to win the division fairly easily, I think the Mets will probably finish in second. But I think I think the Braves, even with the Mets adding who they added, I think the Braves are easily the most well-rounded roster in the division, and that's what wins you division uh, division titles.
0: And my follow-up question to you is the obvious one: How much money did you spend on the Braves championship gear after they won the World Series, or did you?
1: I didn't. I didn't <laughs> spend that much, believe it or not. I got uh, I got my wife and I got NLCS championship shirts. And then we got World Series champion shirts and that's that's about all we've gotten. Uh, For Christmas, I got a Ronald Acuna jersey, which was phenomenal I haven't opened it yet I I haven't I haven't decided whether i'm actually going to open the packaging on it or not. Uh, My wife has a Freddie Freeman jersey, unfortunately for her. (laughs) That she hasn't gotten to wear yet, but I didn't we didn't spend a ton we don't really spend a lot on stuff like that i'm really boring I to be completely honest I don't even like going to a ton of games. Uh, I, I really enjoy my front row seat on my couch, unless I have some really good tickets or if it's a really good game. Like you best believe I'm going to go when the Angels come to town and I can see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Oh, in I'll, person. I'll be there. Absolutely. Um, when when Freddie comes to Atlanta, uh, I'll be there for his first game for sure. That'll be a Friday night. I believe it's June twenty fourth or something like that. Oh, yeah, that sounds all uh, right. I'll go to that one. But normally. Normally, I'm pretty good just sitting on my couch watching watching the game. I, I talk about the Braves enough. I talk about baseball enough with everybody around me forever that I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Yeah, uh, but certainly, certainly, I th- that was a special, special year. Uh, it, it, it everything just kind of fell into place all at once. So uh, I'll always have a special place for 2021, even if the Braves hadn't won the World Series, just beating the Dodgers. I thought the beating the Dodgers was was so important to me that actually the world series was almost like not a letdown but like i was able to relax at no point did i ever think the braves were going to lose the world series i don't know if you were listening when we were doing tps during that but i, I was saying that the whole time like once once the braves got past the dodgers it was over like that astros team they, they were a fine team but they didn't really do anything that was better than the dodgers once the braves got past the dodgers i, I knew it was done i knew it wouldn't go seven and the braves were, were markedly better so uh, None of, nothing that happened in the World Series surprised me other than Kyle Wright's four and two thirds. That was the only thing that happened that surprised me.
0: Yeah. I and speaking of the Dodgers, obviously Freddie Freeman signed with the LA Dodgers and now he's them. He's with them. And when the when the Braves went out to LA last week to play in that weekend series in LA, or not the weekend, I'm sorry, earlier this week during the uh the the, the beginning of the season. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it, it You know, it kind of reminded me, seeing all those players, all the former Dodgers players, all the all the former Braves players, it was almost like one of those Ocean 12s, Ocean 13s, Ocean 14 movies. are like, let's get the gang back together. But all the players are wearing the wrong jerseys. You know, Kelsey, Jan- uh, Kelsey Jan- uh, Jansen is wearing a Braves jersey. Craig Kimbrell, like he wasn't even mentioned at all about this. He's now with the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman is now with the Dodgers. And... I love that rivalry. That the now it's a real rivalry because, as you said, the Braves finally beat the LA Dodgers in last year's National League Championship Series. I'm really looking. I you shouldn't do this, but I'm totally projecting and expecting that the Braves are going to play the Dodgers in a National League Championship Series again.
1: Same here. I, I fully expect that. I think the Dodgers. Uh, I, I think the Giants are not going to do this year what they did last year. I think that the Giants have this weird good luck that helps them out sometimes. Uh, I also, this is completely alleged, I have no proof of this, but I would guarantee you there were some shenanigans going on. There was, there's no way that the roster that the Giants had last year was a hundred plus win roster, but credit to them, kudos to them. Absolutely. All of those rays guys, Farhan Zaidi, uh, who's, who's with the Giants, Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers, AA with the Braves, Chaim Bloom with the Red Sox, these guys all operate the same way. And they all, whenever they go to a new place, whenever they get their shot, they almost invariably build their teams the exact same way. And it always starts with getting career years out of these former journeyman pitchers, where they'll change, they'll tweak, like, one thing. And all of a sudden, they'll have career years. It was Kevin Gosman for the the Giants. I don't really know who you would say it was for the Braves pitchers. I guess you could say Charlie, but Charlie was still at the top of his game. But it's little instances like that. And I guess you could say Kevin Gosman's first 10 starts with the Braves because his first 10 starts with the Braves were phenomenal. The Dodgers tend to do it with everybody. Clayton Kershaw looked like he was dunzo like, dunzo, like three years ago, and he just decided, hey, I'm just going to start throwing these pitches instead. And it worked for him. The Braves in their bullpen, I guess I'll say the bullpen for the Braves, when you see what they did with Luke Jackson in particular, all those guys kind of operate that same way. So when you watch – when you watch these teams, you have that instance of how is that? How are they doing that? And then you look at the GM and you're like, "Oh, it's a raise, it's a raised GM." Okay, I get it now. Uh, and it's kind of it's kind of cool when you track that. That right now of all of the best teams in baseball, I would bet you, I bet you at least fifty percent come off of that raise tree.
0: Right, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, their their analytics is right up there. I think with the, the Guardians are right up there as well. The Cleveland Guardians, but it's they a shame.
1: are probably the best with pitchers. But Tampa, what they, it's more impressive for Tampa. One, because their stadium is a dump. It's, it's probably the worst stadium in baseball. Theirs yeah. are Oakland's. I've been there um,
0: a bunch of times, and I completely agree.
1: Oh, its I don't know whose bright idea it was to have a white dome ceiling, uh, but that, that person should have to stay on that field and try to field some fly balls there. But it's not just what they do with their own with no money. It's also whenever those guys move on to get their own role – Every single one of those teams becomes a really talented, real challenging team. It's one of the most impressive things in sports, and it doesn't get talked about nearly enough, because baseball, there's, there's so many variables in baseball, and it's so focused on the players, you don't really, and, and to be fair, because Major League Baseball absolutely sucks at marketing itself, that you don't really notice things like that, but it's, it, it's, it's almost like a Bill Belichick tree or the Nick Saban tree we talk about in football. The, the Rays tree is for real. The Andrew Friedman tree, in particular, all of these guys for the Braves, for the Giants, for uh, the Red Sox, for three or four other teams are all off of the Andrew Friedman tree, and it's it's kind of cool to watch because you develop rivalries with teams that you don't typically play, but you've got that little connection in there, and I I love I love that stuff.
0: And you were mentioning earlier the the Braves bullpen, and one of the things that one of the things going into the Regular season was at the Atlanta Braves. One of their absolute strengths was of the bullpen. And obviously the Braves traded away Sean Newcomb, which I know there's not a lot of Sean Newcomb fans out there. I'm one of the few. I'm very uh, – More power I'm, to you, man. I love lefties. You know what, Dylan? I still dream. Here's a, here's a deep cut of Luis Gohara. I still dream on my, him. That was my oh, guy. A, another Luis lefty. Was, uh,
1: Luis was – Luis Gohara and Joey Wentz were my two – Great prospect loves. I I thought Luis Gohara was going to be the ace, and I still Amen. think he would have been. Have he not had all of that that happened to him? All, a lot happened? of family issues. I, yeah. Firmly, I firmly believe that he would have been. I don't know if I'd say he'd be better than Max. Max has turned out even better than I thought, and you know I'm a gigantic Max Freed guy. And I don't know if I'd seen Wascar do that. Even with Gohara, I'm Wascar's my guy, and I'll, I'll never. I'll never give up on Oscar Right. but Gohara was my first. Gohara was that guy that I was all on him and Joey wins. I thought Joey wins. And I still think Joey wins can be really, really good, but there are, there are some of those prospects whenever that's, that's the, that's the downside to, to having to get really into prospects because your major league team isn't doing good is uh the failure rate for prospects is so high and you get so attached to some of these kids that when they don't pan out, you refuse to admit that they won't pan out. You just hold that flame forever.
0: So I still dream on Luis Gahara, but it's staying with the Braves pitchers, going to the starters. I've been again. This is only what week three. The starters have only been going for maybe three starts. I've been a little uh, surprised in a bad way of John Charlie Morton and even Ian Anderson. I'm like, I thought again. This was supposed to be a strength. There was only questions on who would potentially be the fourth and fifth starter, not who is our first and potentially third starter. What do you what do you think about how the starting pitchers are starting? Excuse me, how the starting pitchers have begun, and also the potential comeback of Mike Soroka. I,
1: I think I don't think I would count on Soroka pitching any meaningful innings in twenty twenty two. I think the Braves bungled that situation last year. We all talked or it got mentioned about how well we don't know how the staples came undone and a retor but there was never any mention that he started off the season on the 60 day IL, but the Braves threw him in spring training for two innings in spring training that when it happened, I, I was dumbfounded and you know, I, I've been known i I'm not a, I'm not a bury my head in the sand fan. If something's going on that I think is dumb, then I'll say it because I, I think everybody deserves honesty. And I think good fan bases hold their teams and their, their GMs accountable. I don't think that, just blindly saying that whatever decision they make is the most brilliant decision ever, is being a good fan. I think it's being a bad fan. But that was that was one of the most head-scratching moves for me, and I think that's directly attributable to why he got re-injured. I don't think the Braves will run that risk again. It's always hard to gauge what somebody's going to be when they come back from an injury that not a lot of people sustain. Now, in my Soroka's favor, I mean, he's a hockey guy, so he's extremely tough. He's got legs like tree trunks anyway. And he's not a guy that came up relying on velocity. He actually started throwing harder when he got to the big leagues than he ever did in the minors. When he was first showing out in 2016 and running up to the minors, he was topping out at 92. And I, th- I think that's probably more what I would expect. He's probably going to lose a little bit off of the sinker. I don't think we'll see him throw in 95. I don't know. Maybe he comes back and, and he gets back up to his, his higher end velocities. But for Mike, I think he's a guy that can pitch perfectly well throwing 92. I don't think he's – he's not a guy that I would say has premium stuff. I think a lot of what we saw with Mike Soroka, he's one of these guys that he was out pitching his peripherals anyway. I don't – like I – and this is going to sound bad. I just want to preface this by saying I absolutely adore Mike Soroka. I never thought that he was a number one or a number two. I always thought Max was the better of the two. I thought Soroka was eventually going to settle it as a three anyway, just because he gives up contact. If you give up more contact, you're inevitably going to give up more runs. Just That's just how it is. So I I personally am not expecting Mike Soroka in 2022. I don't think the Braves are. I don't think they have any need to, quite honestly, to rush him. They have plenty of guys who can give you the innings you need to get to till you get to the postseason and can narrow it down. I'm not worried about Charlie. He's a little bit older. It can take him a little bit of time to really get going. He kind of did this last year, too. He didn't come out of the gates firing. It so took it him a little bit to kind of get in the swing of things. He'll he'll once he starts really getting the timing on his curveball, he'll be fine. Ian is a different story. Ian has always struggled with efficiency, and I think we can kind of lose sight of maybe the blemishes on Ian because we've seen what he can do when everything's working so well, uh, and that's when when everything is tunneling correctly and the fastball is. Spotted up, and the changeup is working well off of it. And then he's got the curveball after that. When he's got a handle on pitches, he's really tough to face because you don't see straight over the top anymore. And all three of his pitches look the exact same until they're not. The thing that can hurt him is also the thing that can help him. Generally, when you talk about guys whose best pitches are changeups, you're talking about at least a 10 mile an hour differential between the fastball. Ian doesn't have that. Ian is typically going to sit 93, 94 on his fastball. He can run up 96 if he needs to, but typically he's 93, 94. And his changeup sits 87 to 89. And 7 miles an hour compared to 10 miles an hour might not seem like a big difference. It's a pretty big difference if you're talking about a hitter. One of the re- one of the ways his changeup works so well is because it's closer to this fastball speed, it's harder to tell when it's fastball or changeup. One of the bad things about it is... Because it doesn't have that premium differential, it can be easier to foul off and run up his pitch counts. That I think is the bigger thing for Ian Anderson. He's never been particularly command heavy, even through the minors. Uh, he's always been kind of middle of the pack as far as the Braves' arms, as far as walk rates and things like that. I think he'll probably always struggle kind of with walk rates. I think the thing for Ian is he just has to get, is to commit to doing one thing or the other. If you're gonna go out there and give every pitch as good as you can to rack up the strikeouts, but it only lets you go five innings, fine. If you're gonna try to induce weak contact so that you can go seven innings and maybe sacrifice the put away stuff, fine. Whichever way you attack it, you just got to commit to it. And and I think Ian will get there. I think that it helps him. That quite honestly, I don't I don't know that he's gonna be the third of the rotation for for a long time. If this is the real Kyle Wright, then. I mean, there's, there's a real shot that Ian ends up being the number four in this rotation. The good news about Ian is nothing about his grades have pretty much ever changed. He's always been a guy that even when he was drafted, it was a high floor for a, for a high school arm. He's a middle of the rotation guy. Doesn't have the upside of, of some of his contemporaries, whatever. But I think we kind of undervalue floor. And when you tell me that a guy is at worst a number three type of starter in your rotation – that's a good thing. You should be excited to draft that player in the first round. I'm a little worried about him right now. I think he'll iron it out. But this is certainly not the start he expected to have. It's not the start Brace fans expected to see.
0: I think if we can hypnotize Ian Anderson into thinking every start is a playoff start, he'd be amazing. <laughs> I, I, it, you know, is, it is Ian's, an odd thing. Ian Anderson is the mo- is going to be the modern-day John Smoltz, that big – big game pitcher. And, you know, if he if he can go through a regular season and then turn it on the playoffs, you have zero complaints from me.
1: You know, if 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 you have two or three other guys who can get you to the playoffs, there's something to be said about about playoff pitching. Kurt Schilling was one of those. I know we're not supposed to mention Kurt Schilling anymore. But uh you know, whatever you think of Kurt Schilling as a person, and quite frankly, I think most people think the same things about him. Um come playoff time he was he was Incredible, Smoltz was Smoltz was great no matter if it was the regular season or the postseason. Uh, actually, funny fact about John Smoltz: everybody thinks Smoltz was the best of the Braves pitchers in the postseason. Maddox was the best by a pretty wide margin. The Braves just never could score Greg Maddox any runs. Like if you go and you pull up their postseason just from their times as the Braves, Maddox was I, I want to say Maddox had like a career three five ERA for Braves, and Smoltz was like a three seven or something like that. Uh, Just in postseason or something like that. Something like that. Glavin was the third. Smoltz was two. Maddox was number one. But you think of, whenever you think of Braves postseason, you think of Glavin's game six. And you think of Smoltz and all of his shutdown outings. Uh, Really what it goes to show you is great pitchers are great whenever they happen to pitch. It just happens to be that when you're in the playoffs, you're facing other great teams. And sometimes they'll get you. I think Charlie's in that same vein, though. I think Charlie, if if you really dig into Charlie Morton's numbers, He's one of the best playoff pitchers of this generation. He's just since he went over to the Astros, he's been lights out.
0: I'm a little disappointed about this how the starters have begun the season, but I'm not too worried because the shortened off season, the lockout, they, they didn't get a chance to get stretched out and these are proven seasoned, well, they're they're becoming veterans. But another thing, one thing that's concerning to me is the outfield especially the defense I'm not a big fan of putting Adam Duvall in center field the entire season or how Eddie Rosario has been playing what is it right field and to be fair I don't know if you've been following this but the Braves outfield isn't as bad as the absolute nightmare that is the Chicago White (laughs) Sox defense oh my goodness oh my goodness the White Sox there is something terribly wrong with that defense but we're not talking about them this week are what are what are your thoughts on potentially shoring up some of these defensive things? And even even with Ronald Acuna Jr. coming back from his Achilles in a matter of weeks, even a matters of weeks, this isn't Andrew Jones who's going to be able to just take over uh, the outfield.
1: So Duvall has played very well in the center field. My worry about Duvall in center field long term is playing center field saps your legs, which saps your offense. And a guy like Duvall is very home run heavy, so I'm not super happy that the Humidor seems to have completely done away with the home run. It's either the human or baseball mess with the baseball again, which that's also possible. It will help a lot when Acuna comes back because Acuna in right field is a huge advantage. He's 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 a center fielder that's gonna play in right field. I don't think Michael Harris is gonna get to to Atlanta this year. I don't think that he's a center fielder long term anyway. I think I'd be more looking towards Drew Waters. I know People are kind of down on Drew. I think that that's that's a fallacy of that that's what you call looking at the box score. That's called looking at results over progress or process. And it's usually for prospects, it's process over results. I think Drew. Once Pasche got traded, I, I kind of penciled in Drew as the center fielder. Obviously, the Braves have the Braves can make a trade if they want. I don't know that they're looking to do that. My my main thing is I don't want to see them put Acuna in center field. He wants to play right. It, it keeps his legs fresh to where he can be aggressive and not go through bouts of just fatigue. I think it works out better for him that way. So I'm not quite sure what way they're going to go. Uh, I I am a little bit concerned. Eddie Rosario, he was, he's never going to do for a full year what he did in the NLCS. He's not Barry Bonds. He was not going to do that long-term, but he's had negative one F4 this year and not a lot of games. That's very hard to do. He's a, uh, if you're if you're drawing up guys who could use a few days off Eddie Rosario is one of them and Orlando Garcia I mean he's tried but he he's an infielder and I, I know there's this conception that this misconception really that if you play shortstop you should be able to handle any position but as somebody that you know obviously I didn't go super far but as somebody that played their entire career in the infield and would try to play outfield occasionally Judging balls on dirt and judging balls on grass are very, very different, and it's it's a lot harder when you've done one thing your whole career to just randomly up, up and, and completely change us. It. one of the things that made it so impressive how Austin Riley played in left field uh, after getting basically no time to train there. The Braves just said, hey, we got Josh Donaldson, we want you in the lineup, so go play left. <laughs> it was very impressive what he was able to do out there. So I'd be more concerned with the defense. I don't know a great way to fix what's going to be in left field because you don't want to, you can't have Ozuna in left. I guess if you have two plus defenders in Duval and Acuna, then you can hide him. Ultimately, I think the Braves would love to see a Drew Waters or a Michael Harris force their hand and just not be able to not play them in center and allow one of them to move out and allow Duval to move over to left or a team to be out of it early and you find a guy that maybe it's not going to be a premium center fielder. Like you're not getting Byron Buxton uh, or probably not going to pony up to get Brian Reynolds, which would be my choice. But maybe you can find maybe one of these mid-tier center fielders. Who you could, you know, it's okay if he slots into the back of your lineup but a guy that could be a true center fielder. I think, I think it's, I think we'll see the Braves play around with a lot of that. If they don't see a market increase in the defense, the worst thing to do for a young pitcher is give him an untrustworthy outfield. Uh, that that just balloons everything. It's kind of amazing that Kyle Wright has done what he's been able to do with bad outfield defense. And uh, I think that that's probably the biggest area of concern for me, for the Braves. Not that they're the worst defense. The Phillies outfield is still worse than the Braves. But you see it with the Mets every year. you got to be able to at least play average defense. If you're If you're a below-average defensive team, it's not the sexy stats, but it hurts you just as much as offense does.
0: Yeah, I hope they figure it out, and I think they will. We can always trust – most uh, general manager, Alex Anthopoulos. But Dylan, before we let you go, we want to ask you a couple of questions. What advice do you have to any youngsters out there that want to get into sports broadcasting since you've been on radio, you've had multiple podcasts?
1: My path was very weird. Uh, I went to complete game broadcasting in Atlanta where it's kind of a condensed thing where you learn the ins and outs of cutting audio, how to speak on air. I've never had a problem speaking. You know, it sounds I don't I don't know how it sounds, but that's always been my my area of strength has been running my mouth. So I've never had a real issue with that. It was more about the rest of it, learning to structure and doing all of that. I actually like the podcast format more than anything, because you can go long form with your answers. And the hardest part about radio is actually structuring your your thoughts into segments in 10 to 15 minute segments and trying to to one, have enough to be able to not repeat segments, two, being able to go in depth with any regularity. What I would generally say to people is it's a commitment. It's a process. A lot of it is who you know. Make some connections, intern. Intern for, if if you want to go into sports radio, intern for a sports radio show. Now, I'm not saying do what I did and intern for five years. (laughs) Usually doesn't take that long. But if, if going the podcast route, if your plan is to be in front of the mic, the podcast route is an excellent route to go because it gives you one, it gives you experience, but two, it allows you a medium to consistently improve. And that's one of the things that the podcast has helped me with the most and why I've got my radio show now is just from doing, just from doing this nonstop for four or five years of just, just constantly doing this and you slowly get better and better over time. Obviously find yourself a really good partner if you want to do partner ups, it's always easier to have somebody to bounce off, uh, bounce ideas with instead of doing it solo. Solo is way harder than doing it with a partner. But if you go solo, find your niche. Everybody's got a niche. You don't have to copy. I, I can't stand copycats. It's okay to take, to draw inspiration from. It's okay to format kind of the same way somebody else does and pay homage. But find the thing that you do that other people don't do as well as you. Everybody, every every fan or radio host that you ever listen to they've got something that they do that is the most comfortable for them for doc and myself it was to to do the analytics thing but not just do the numbers it was the bridge it was to talk about what we're seeing go in depth a little bit from from you know from playing days or whatever it was the fact that we were really good friends but it was also the fact that we knew enough about analytics to to talk about it enough to where it was never overbearing but to where you kind of understood you'd learn something about what's going on. I tell everybody the same thing. Find what you do, whatever it is, what whatever, whatever your goal as a podcast or radio host is, find the thing that you do and stick with it. And, and it is a commitment. You got to, you got to be willing to, to go through a long period of not getting paid, of not being noticed. It, it takes a lot to do that. You can't get discouraged. I also say welcome feedback. Feedback. Mm-hmm. Some people can kind of get defensive over it. Occasionally I've gotten defensive on my own, but generally speaking that is always going to make you better. Feedback will tell tell you what listeners want to hear from you. It'll also tell it'll also let you know the things you are doing that are setting you apart from others. So don't copy, do your own thing. Be cool with everybody. And you know, if you're wanting to to reach out and try to get somebody as a guest, reach out. Don't don't be afraid to uh, have people laugh at you for for not getting a person on there in public. Now, granted, I would always try to send DMs or messages. Don't put it on the public timelines if you can avoid it. Uh, and don't take it personally if people tell you no. It, 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 you'll get a lot of no's, but there are a lot of people in this medium who have started from the same place and uh, will, will give you interviews. Like I, It still blows my mind that we had half the people on that we ever had on. Like Mike Petriello is always going to be one of my favorite guests. Brian Bridges was incredible. I couldn't believe we got Brian Bridges former scouting director for the Braids, for those of you that don't know. Um, this industry is awesome. And once you become part of it, it, it really does expand and people will follow all over the place. Now, if you're getting into radio, just be prepared. It, it's hard to break into. It's I liken it to the mob. Once you're in, you're in for life. But it is a road trip getting in there. So learn behind the glass and get in good with your program directors, your, your producers, and your board ops people in front of the mic, the talent, as they call it, those come and go. Nobody wants to help you because, or most don't want to help you because there's a spot, there's a shot you take their job. The guys behind the glass, the ones who don't get any love, those are the ones who are doing the hardest job out there. Get in and go with them and it'll and it'll come forward for you. Those are that's
0: some good advice. Dylan, my last question, we always love promoting local places so, if any of us are going to go to Atlanta to see the Braves this season and hopefully make a deep run into the playoffs, what is a local place that you like to go have a drink or a go to food space spot in Atlanta?
1: So, I don't usually get to Atlanta very often. I live about, about 30 miles uh, north of Atlanta but whenever you go to the battery pretty much any spot in the battery is fantastic as far as food uh Murph's if you want if you want some some really cool really fun burgers Murph has a peanut butter burger uh with fried cheeseburgers uh Dale Murphy it's his restaurant it's fantastic Dylan
0: a peanut butter what
1: peanut butter burger man if you haven't tried it you should it's incredible uh there's Marlowe's Taverns all over the place I love Marlowe's. they uh that I'm, I'm kind of lame. I don't drink a whole lot anymore. Uh, I don't drink a whole lot, so I don't go out to, to bars very much. But you can't throw a rock and not hit an, not hit an outstanding drinking establishment somewhere in Atlanta and, and in Cobb County, especially. Uh, the yard house in the Battery is fantastic. All of their food looks delicious, and it is uh, pretty much anything in the Battery. Outside of, I don't want to besmirch anybody here, but there are a million better pizza restaurants than Antico. So uh, if you're looking for great pizza, don't go there. Uh, not, not that sounds so bad, but uh, uh, that, that's probably where I would go. The Terrapin tap room is always good. They've always got a whole bunch of fun uh, type of drinks, but if you're going to make a trip to Atlanta, make a little bit of a trip. Uh, if you're going to go out for a Braves game, then then go out and kind of, kind of go around the battery there's a, so many different places in there that you should check out uh sport and social is awesome especially on like a saturday during college football season uh, when you've got college football because people here are rabid uh and then even when the hawks are doing well nobody cares about georgia Tech. but when you've got like georgia going well like they were last year sport and social is awesome to go to it's the energy is crazy it's it's hard to get in the door, but we've done, uh, we've done a couple shows in there from Six Eighty the fan, and, it, and it's a lot of fun. You can't really go wrong, but I would say Wahlburgers is good, but Murph's is the one you want to go to. Do yourself a favor. Go, pay, uh, go, go and be a patron to a Braves legend, uh, a man that maybe should be a Hall of Famer. I would probably argue that he probably should, just on the back of winning back-to-back MVPs. Uh, and try yourself. One, you got to try the cheese curds if you go. They're outstanding but definitely gets peanut butter burger. I'm going
0: to have to put that on my list. I have never in my life heard of a peanut butter burger, but you know what? Thank you, sir. And Dylan Short, I want to thank you for joining us today and taking time out to tell us all about the Atlanta Braves, what we expect, what amazing places to eat in the Atlanta area. And sir, if you want to take us away, tell us where people can find you.
1: Sure. So uh, if you actually want to follow along my crazy brain um, on Twitter at X Short, I don't really go on Facebook very much, so it's basically just the Twitter. Uh, I've got a podcast for 680 titled the 643 podcast. It is on you can find it at the podcastpark.com. Uh, that is my podcast for 680. I also do a Saturday show for 680 the fan in the mornings from 9 to 11 called the 643. I know really creative name. <laughs> but uh, you can follow me along pretty much every week. I, I just try to talk until somebody tells me not to. So uh, if you guys want to follow along, fantastic. Uh, if you're going to follow along on my Twitter account, beware, uh, I will say some very different things. <laughs> I'm very vocal and uh, I try to keep it fun and loose outside of that. Catch me, uh, go to the podcastpark.com. You'll find my podcast. If you go to 680, the fan, listen to us on Saturday mornings, tap the app and uh, you can hear me wax poetic solo style about the Atlanta Braves. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it.
0: I want to thank Dylan Short for joining us and talking about my favorite team, the Atlanta Braves. I also want to thank some new listeners. We have a new listener from Stockholm, Sweden, from La Libertad, El Salvador, and here in the U.S., a listener from Enrico, Virginia. Thank you. And thanks for listening to the podcast where we talk about baseball, drinks, peanut butter burgers and everything else under the sun share the podcast with your family and friends you can find this on apple podcast google podcast soundcloud and spotify my drink will be in the episode description and i always post a picture of the beer that i have on the social media accounts join me next time for a brand new episode of HVP hipster baseball podcast bye